Tracy, welcome to New York. Thank you. I've isn't, been here before. Isn't my tiny ass apartment like a cabin in the city? <laughs> <laughs> We're like covered in blankets, sleeping bags, pillows. It's a sleepover. <laughs> it's a sleepover. <laughs> it's a sleepover to talk about horror movies. It's a, it's a slumber party. We are, guys. I came to visit. Uh, my co-host, my good friend Minky here in his new apartment in Manhattan, uh, which is cool. And it's really cold and rainy it's today. It's fucking windy and rainy out there, you so know, we are indoors talking about horror movies. And it's perfect because perfect day to stay in. And until we until we leave to go get ramen across the street, because like we got to get some ramen. Yeah. On a cold day like this. Yeah. Sure. We've already, Mickey's already taken me out and gotten coffee, got a bagel. <laughs> Normal food. I never stuff. get bagels, but I told him I was like, whenever I'm on travel, I feel and like I, I'm, you I'm putting on travel in quotes here because I'm just visiting you as a friend. Sure. It's not like I'm traveling, but no, like I don't order, I don't buy bagels at home. I never buy them to take home. But if I'm traveling, it's like the only time I eat a bagel. And I guess if I'm in New York, it's a good place to get it. Yeah, they, I've heard they have <laughs> I've <good> heard. bagels. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're in New York together to record the last five episodes of our- actually we're having you in the same room recording like this because, again. Because we got so used to recording from afar. Yeah. Hopefully this sounds good. You don't feel that way? Maybe, maybe I would love for people to say, you know what, Those these last five episodes of this 13 episode uh, string out sounds really good. Yeah. Because we're together again. We have our chemistry. Yeah. Although, see, this is the thing that you guys don't know is when we're sitting in front of each other, Miki continuously shows, like, does, like, hand signals and stuff, and I really never know what he's saying to me. <laughs> so I'm always just confused. So the hand signals I will make back to you is, I don't even know. <laughs> oh, wait. How about a thumb? <laughs> middle finger. A middle finger. Because <laughs> I did it. So, so clever. I, I flicked off a taxi cab or a, a guy who was like beeping the horn at this taxi cab driver who couldn't turn because we were physically in the crosswalk and the guy behind him is like beeping. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> Mickey's like, only old people do that. Don't do that. And I'm like, I sorry. I'm old. I'm disgruntled. Um, anyway, so we are here today, uh, which is actually october 27th and uh we're talking about cabin in the woods today because this deserves to be on any list uh where we're talking about uh some of the best horror movies to get you into the spirit of halloween since it runs through just about every horror trope imaginable so most horror fans probably have seen this um when you went to see this in theater mm -hmm. or watched it at I, home i went wherever. to the theater yeah did you know what you were getting yourself into like did you know that it was going to be as some specific like meta comedy horror no i didn't know what it was going to be about actually yeah same um so i was pleasantly surprised and um what i understand from like i was of course reading up a little bit about it and it was saying that um the the Drew Goddard and uh, Joss Whedon, 
they actually wanted to confuse people with the opening sequence, the opening title sequence, which we just rewatched um, to remind ourselves. They wanted you to think you were in the wrong movie <laughs> because it's like a very confusing I, scene. I get what they're, I don't know, like where if they actually said that in an interview or whatever, yeah. but I, I, who's really, I, I understand that it's like a misdirection. It was. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, was, were people actually confused I, that, that they were at a different theater? Like, what are we watching? There's like, something that, rem- like, I feel like I saw, I know I saw this with like Sam and a couple other people uh-huh. from work at the time. And I think she had seen it already or somebody. And I looked at her and I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? Um, so, yeah. So, for those of you who do or don't remember the opening sequence, it starts with like the two dudes in, you know, white collared shirts and ties down in like a... Josh from West Wing. Yeah. But what what do you call it? Like, it's like a um, like an office space, like a huge office space with no windows and it's like that, no, 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 no. It wasn't an office space. I, I'm not. It's not an office space, but like a yeah. um, like facility. Some, yes, right. Yes, yes. And then yes. they get in a golf cart, and there's all these people running around. You know, like a workplace. And you're like, what am I watching? And then finally, the title sequence comes up, and it's like, you know, and Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. You're like, like oh, jump, okay. I'm jump I'm, scare yeah, title. I'm in the right. I'm in the right theater. I, I although I remember seeing that, and everyone started laughing when that when that happened. Yeah. And it was sort of jarring. Right. But it reminded me of like. A lot of films in the 60s or 70s that did that. Sure. It was just like, yeah, yeah. You know, and it reminded me of that. Maybe it's a throwback to that. I don't know. Pro- oh, I'm sure. E- yeah. So, this whole entire Every movie is a throwback. Yeah. And- it's so fun. Um, I actually really, really like it. And I just recently rewatched it last week um, in preparation for this. And um, you told me today, I did not know this, but Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard, they locked themselves in a hotel room for three days and so, banged out the whole script. Not, not a hotel, but I, I read there were they went away for the weekend to a cabin. Oh, they really went to a cabin? Yeah, and then each went to a different floor to write the script, and they were passing the script back and forth mm. to each other. And That's funny. You know, I wish I could find that um interview um wherever i read that and then share it with that with you but i remember i remember it. hearing i remember reading that though that was like that's so cool yeah like, i wish i could have done well the only thing like I, I the only thing i did find is that they did lock themselves away and they committed to doing this and they committed to doing it as like something fun for themselves because they both right. had, had just come off of two kind of failed projects um yes what was that for i didn't i didn't Josh, write it down but um Sweden. So anyway, they did the, this. I don't know if we said it, but this came out in 2012. Um, and so Drew Goddard, the inspiration he got from the film. So this dichotomy, right, of the the, the workers, employees in this facility with, you know, a group of kids getting murdered in a cabin. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But the inspiration he got, which is really fascinating to me, it's from his upbringing in Los, Al- Los Alamos, New Mexico where there was like a ton of scientists and coworkers, uh, you know, like going about about their daily lives while they were making nuclear weapons at the time, which could in theory destroy the entire world. And so his, I guess his upbringing, his childhood, I don't know what years of his life we're talking about here, but he was just like, he was struck by how normal people were leading their lives and doing random shit, even though they were making nuclear weapons at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and so the, the, the piece of this movie that is, a, is you know, referenced directly from that is the fact that there's these uh, people in a facility that house all of these monsters that we know from, 
you know, fables and mythology and horror movies and um, every kind of story you can ever imagine. Think back in your time of like learning about any kind of monster. They're all real and they're all housed in these like elevator shafts underneath of this facility. And once a year, there's an annual ritual that has to happen. So that would be the, you know, the monsters are the deadly weapons that he's talking about were being um, you know, created in New Mexico at the time. And then <laughs> basically they have to come up, kill people every year, five people every year, which fit these stereotypes of every horror movie. And if it doesn't happen, then the gods below will basically destroy the entire world. Spoiler alert. Sorry, but that's the that's the whole blank thing. <laughs> you know we spoil um, movies, people. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's very, what we do. It's very um um, in that sense of sort of, you know, pulling the curtains back, yeah. showing how everything sort of runs, how the sausage is made, uh, whatever clever uh, um, idiom that you can use. Mm-hmm. It's very Matrix seat as well, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, like, where all those little, you know, stories and fairy tales, this is how where it comes from. Yeah. You know? And and basically it's like kind of it's it's that first level though, because then you could almost ask another question like, what's that other monster that's that lives in the center, you know, below Well, they named you know, it. Apparently it's the Greek god Greek Titan Kronos. I, I just oh. meant like I just meant like why the why do they why? exist? Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Um so a couple of things to note, like um for those of you who love Chris Hemsworth, he actually uh got this role and Drew Goddard says that the the time when they s- filmed the scene where he gets on a motorcycle and he like flies into that force field, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Drew Goddard was like, I knew he was going to become a huge movie star. Well, what happened was the. Yeah, but Thor was out before that. No, but here, listen. No, it was out before then. Listen. So when it was being filmed, MGM was watching like the dailies mm-hmm. of the filming and they saw Chris Hemsworth and they that day or a day later after watching some mm-hmm. of the scenes that they were filming during Cabin in the Woods. You say MGM? MGM. Yeah. Okay. They were watching like some of the, you know, big ups at MGM were watching some of the, the film footage. And so they wound up casting him a day later for Red Dawn and Thor. Um, so, yeah, he was. He basically MGM got, must have done the Red Dawn, not Thor. Right? It was it was definitely Red Dawn. Yeah. I, it said he also got the part for yeah, Thor okay. like a day yeah. later too. Okay. So basically because of his role in Cabin in the Woods, he became the the superstar that we all know him now. Um, but yeah, so you're right. But, like, but in the context of viewers, like chron- chronologically, oral, you didn't know you that. Saw, yeah. Because Cabin to, in the Woods got held up for but what, that's interesting. over a year. Yeah, but that's interesting, right? Because to us, he got big through like Thor and other movies and that's you know even though he shot this this one one first first. yeah so it's interesting like how um, you were probably like why would the guy who played Thor go into a horror movie like this well well, it's because he started in this right (laughs) right I definitely thought that and you know came to that conclusion oh he probably shot this first whatever yeah yeah. and this was like in production for a while but you know it's it's interesting how like that plays out for us yeah as viewers compared to like production yeah totally um well and so it almost this whole movie almost went bankrupt until Lionsgate, which i love because they have a lot of you know good horror films that i like but Lionsgate wound up coming in and and joss whedon and like a24 better Okay. Um, Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard, they wound up like, they started to hate the film. They thought it was going to be a total flop. They The whole thing had been done, but it was sitting for like a year, year and a half. And, um, and nobody was going to pick it up until Lionsgate came along. And apparently Lionsgate 
um, made Drew and Joss fall back in love with the film. So then it was released. Of course, it's become pretty, it, I think it became pretty popular. I mean, everybody was talking about it. It's got like a sense of fun to it. It still has a lot of, you know, gory moments and silly of, moments. A lot of fan service. I think that's one of the yeah. reasons like it was popular because, you know, like a lot of fans to of the genre. Right. Was, or, you know, or just even filmmaking or just film. Yeah. You know, it made you feel smart, special. Yeah, by saying, definitely. Oh, I get that reference. Right. Oh, you know, I, I get the reference or the movie that yeah, they're referencing in this, you know. So let's go through some of that. Like the influences on the movie itself is definitely um, you can Evil Dead is totally present the whole time. Right. The cabin even looks like the cabin in Evil Dead. And um Apparently, 1984 was a big influence on this film, too, where people are watching, what, you know, the government's watching you. What, what year um, did uh, Cabin Fever come out? Um, Do you remember? It said that Cabin Fever was also an influence on this film. So I kind of want to say it was like early 2000s. And if this came out, if this was made in 2010, then that would make sense. So it definitely had some influence on it as well. Um, so anyway, then there's a there's a point in the film. 2002. Yeah, 2002. Yeah. yeah. So there's a point in the film, and I remember it in the theater, right? Because there's nothing you can do to like screen grab it. There's nothing you can do to Google it. There's a moment in the film that I was like, oh my God, I want to go back and look at that list. Because, okay, so all the all the employees that work at this facility, right? They all are work by different departments. So it's very corporate life. It's hilarious. Oh, hey. <laughs> um, and so they all bet on yeah do you have a train on here i don't no. understand what what, what that, that sounded was like a train didn't it <laughs> what? what the fuck was that i have no idea okay so anyway um all of the departments in this facility they they are like they're going on about their day even though they know that about that five you know teenager or like 20 somethings are about to get killed right so they're all betting on which monster is going to be um what do you call it? Like summoned? Yeah. Okay. To to kill these five, so they all have bets across the company on this huge whiteboard, and that's what I'm saying. Like on the whiteboard, you can quickly see like a list of some of the monsters, you right. know, as as part of this world. And one of them, I remember, it said Kevin, and I always thought that that was like a a joke about say Jason, but it wasn't. It's actually a throwback to Elijah Wood's character in Sin City. So mm-hmm. anyway, there the monster board shows like all these different words. It's got like merman, witches, um, what else? Like what did it say? Oh, it's got like angry molesting tree, which obviously comes from Evil Dead. Evil Dead, yeah. Uh, clowns, deadites, which as we know are the the dead from Evil Dead. It said um, dragon bat, dolls. So there's like creepy people from like the strangers that have masks on their face mm-hmm. that just come in and kill people. Um, just like horror trope. Every single yeah. horror thing imaginable. And I remember being, oh, and so zombie redneck torture family and then zombies. Apparently there's a dispute on whoever like bet on the two different names. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the the these five kids, they leave from college. They go to visit this cabin and they go down in the basement. And that's the other thing, right? Like every single moment of the movie, it's those times where you're yelling at the screen like, don't go in the basement or don't do this. But of course they do all of the things that they're supposed to do. Not only because it's a horror movie, but because apparently like the facility is also doing all of these things to, what do you call it, like um, inhibit, you know, the the people to make certain decisions. So they're shooting like pheromones in the air to make them like take off their clothes. <laughs> and they're like, I don't know, they're shooting like all kinds of stuff in the air to make them definitely 
get murdered (laughs) and to partake in like the stereotypes of every horror horror films yeah of like why would they do that right take off their clothes and do these oh it's because the facility is making them do it yeah anyway so the list is funny they wind up all going into the basement where there's all these like little old curios and so they're all touching them and playing with them and and it's basically a moment where you're realizing oh the characters are about to summon like one evil creature or group of creatures and so they summon the buckners which is like this undead family of torturous zombie people (laughs) um and so that's who they have to fight against the whole time and basically one of the two guys the guy from west wing he's like damn it i'm never ever gonna get to see a merman and the other guy goes trust me man you don't want to see a merman the cleanup after that's terrible (laughs) and the funny thing is is like Later on in the movie, gets, all the monsters get unleashed. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. He gets to see the and merman. And he gets to see the merman. merman he kills him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and apparently that takes- You know that was coming. Apparently right? that was like a really hard scene to shoot. Yeah. They, they could only do it one time because it yeah. literally was going to be a mess afterwards because yeah. the blowhole blew blood what is everywhere. That, what is that called? It's called like, there's a, in writing, it's called the Chekhov's gun where like, they said like, I, I guess so the, the rules of Chekhov's gun is- um, like if you're gonna talk about something or yeah. show something, you have to. Like the idea is that if you're gonna show a gun, that that gun needs to be fired at one point uh, in the movie. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So like if you're gonna talk about something, that thing is going to either appear, yeah, or you do something. It's so good. Yeah. Apparently, in testing that that sequence is one of the highest performing sequences in the entire film with audiences. And I know when it came out, like, cause he's laying on the ground and the merman starts sliding over to him and he's like, Oh, come on. Um, but anyway, uh, so there's those tropes. There's also like, as the five kids are going to the cabin, they stop at a gas station, just like every other horror movie. Right. We talked about that in Pumpkinhead. It happens in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It happens at Rocky Horror Picture. Or, I'm sorry, not Rocky Horror. Um, House of a Thousand Corpses. And so they stop, and the, the the guy that plays the harbinger, his name's Mordecai. He's like the backwoods kind of hillbilly who's like a soothsayer. You know, he's like, yeah. don't go, you know, like prophetizing kind of how, or prophesizing. Wait, how do I say that word? <laughs> like how, the, that bad is, uh, you know, upon them. And there's a scene where like Mordecai calls the people in the facility, and he's being so serious, and they keep busting out laughing. It is such a funny scene. I love it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I th- I remember um, thinking that you know there was so much special effects. Oh yeah, different types of special effects. Yeah, um, that was in this movie. And, and a thirty I, million dollar budget, right? I think is what I read earlier. Yeah, which is a lot for a horror film. Yeah. But uh, I, re- I read that they had the special effects group or team work on the the monsters mm-hmm. um, way before the principal shoot. Like mm. they were just like, okay, we knew we know how many monsters are going to be in this, God, and so all of that, and like, and they had to go create like just a bunch of them. It was crazy like, special effects or makeup and or makeup, whatever it is. Yeah. Prepare for all that for the. Yeah. They have like at one scene, there's a really creepy scene where basically your final girl, because again, there's also, we didn't really mention that, but all five people are the stereotypical, as part of the ritual, it has to be these stereotypes of like the fool, the final girl, the what, like the meathead jockey kind of guy, the athlete or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. And then like, what did they call her? The whore, which is mean, but whatever. Um, um, and so they have- Which to, one was that? The girlfriend, the blonde who makes out the with blonde. the wolf head. Okay. Right, right, so- right. um. Anyway, all five of these stereotypes have to. Oh, and then the um, 
the guy that Jesse Williams plays, what what does he check off the box for? Like the oh, the, like the the, the, the scholar. Guy? Yeah, oh. he's the scholar. <laughs> the <black guy. laughs> but also that, I mean, there's always one quintessential <laughs> black guy, right? So anyway, the um the ritual, you know, every time one of these people dies, it's like uh, blood comes pouring down under right. the earth's crust, basically in these huge kind of what do you call it? Like engravings of yeah. the fool, the whore, the blank, the blank. Yep, yep. And these are all underground. And I which, like that. Yeah, it's cool. It's kind of like, like that, that episode in, or the part in Blade, the first Blade. Yeah, I like that because, you know, like I was saying earlier, like while it explains, you know, like how all these supernatural things mean, sometimes when you explain it too much, it's just it's not fun, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, if that's the case, then, yeah. then why am I scared or right. whatever? But then they added another element on top of that. I created like a new, um, you know, uh, uh, a storytelling, not storytelling, this is the wrong word I'm using, but, you know, on top of all the things that they're sort of... They've created a bigger mythology, but it's like simple Yeah, mythology is good. Yeah. yeah. Another mythology on top of a... Of all the other all the, they're like, stereotypes. They're explaining, and, yeah. You know? They're like, these things have to happen in order to appease the gods of hell or whatever yeah. they are. And so the funny thing is, is Sigourney Weaver has a great cameo. She's like the director of this entire facility. And she's the one who's kind of explaining, this is bigger than any of us. While yes, it's sad, five people have to die each year here in the U.S., um, and other places are in the world, you know, this has to happen in order to save the entire world, right? Mm-hmm. So she she's obviously great. They were they were thinking about casting Jamie Lee and Curtis. And but that and that idea is from also from an like an older Twilight Zone like episode, isn't it? Or something some other film where it's like every year, you know, like they had to sacrifice someone. Like yeah, you know, sure. but but not like in a context of like that they throw someone in the volcano uh, to satisfy the gods, right? You know, yeah. but like in a different. <sighs> but it's but it that, yeah, it's, that it's same a thing. It's theme. A, yeah, 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 it's yeah. The same same thing. Um, and apparently Sigourney Weaver was happy to finally play in a movie with a werewolf because one of the final scenes, a werewolf comes out while Sigourney Weaver's there, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole thing's just super fun. Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed rewatching it. I I still did. So. Um, you rewatched it recently. For yeah, this? I watched it last week. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it was fun. Okay. No wonder you're right. Mine's fresh. Yeah. I've seen it in a while. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, it's kind of silly apart. Um, but you know, watching it again with an eye towards like what you're talking about, all the makeup effects and the special effects, the scene where the all the elevator doors keep opening. Yeah. And every time it goes ding, and all the doors open, and it's another like. Wave of creatures yeah. that come out. It is so. It's just so fun and pleasant to. And to your point earlier, if you're in the know, you're like, oh, you know, there's there's like this creature from that movie, or there's this creature from that story, you know. Yeah. And it's just a lot. I don't, there's Cenobites at one. Oh, that was I was gonna say. Like when the lead final girl and the fool, um, they wind up kind of getting away from the cabin, and they discover that there's an underground way to get into the the shaft of the facility so they're in one of the elevators and they start sliding across and it's like they start seeing all the boxes all these glass boxes holding uh every monster yeah Yeah. and it's it's like quite petrifying to think about that actually happening because they keep sliding through and seeing like another ghost or another monster and that's when everything comes together in the the final girl's mind when she's like oh my god when we were in the basement it was me. I read the Latin first, and so I'm the one that called upon the zombie yeah. family. But everybody else was holding these different items that would have awakened these monsters, right? So yeah. she sees 
a Cenobite, which is very similar to uh, the guy in Hellraiser. Mm -hmm. And he's holding the little like Pandora's box puzzle thing. (laughs) And so she saw that in the basement. Um, Chris Hemsworth was playing with it, I want to say. Um, so like they would have been awakened if he had like opened it first, Figured it you know. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, totally, totally great to watch during this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I agree. Cool. I agree. It's fun. Um, yeah, it's a fun little romp through like, you know, uh, uh, horror trope history yeah. of horror tropes. You know, yeah. and, and, and like and presented in a certain context. Um. But yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, so appease the ancient ones and go watch it, guys. <laughs> oh, I, I don't, like it's, you know, these days of like, like, what do you, you know, what do you, you can't, who do you know like, streams it or how do you watch it? Or I, just, I, guess I rented just it for, like, so I had to rent it for $1.99 in case you want to know on Google Play. Ah, uh, digital rental. Right? Yeah, there's a bunch of digital rentals right now. I couldn't find it streaming on Netflix or anything like that, but yeah, you can pretty much download it from any place or um uh rent it for about a yeah. dollar 99 anywhere right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't have back in the day, I didn't have an issue. Like, how much were Blockbuster movies when you were renting it? Do you remember you know, like 3.99 something, something tells me like 6, but I don't Ooh, but I, really? I could be wrong. Yeah. I think they were like 3.99, 4.99 around that, right? Yeah. And that's pr- like, it's it funny. definitely like, wasn't Redbox cheap. Like it, it was more it, expensive at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's weird. Like now, you, I probably wouldn't like. I would rent multiple movies at that price yeah. and not for some reason and not like think twice or yeah. cringe. But then I'm like five dollars to or like four dollars to rent a digital. I'm I like, know it's weird. Ah. I'm the same way. It's it's really really well, weird hang up that I still have sometimes. But here's the thing. Back then. You likely paid for cable, but that's all that existed, right? And now we all pay for fourteen dollars for Netflix and whatever else you Hulu and this, that, and the other. So if you are already paying for all these other streaming things, if you got Apple TV, whatever it is that you have, you're like you're paying a lot of money each month for all these different streaming streaming, you know, uh, whatever services services. Yeah. And so then you're like less likely to want to rent something now. That's how I feel. Uh, could you have things to watch? Right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's a good point. But I was happy to pay a dollar ninety nine for this. I do think what I read was I think that somebody's going to be playing it. It's going to be playing either this week or next on TV. So you might just want to look on your um, on demand services and one see thing if it pops that up. It's you know moving here in New York, and one thing that's really great about um, living in the city is like a lot of theaters around here will play like, like during like at least this month. Mm-hmm. You see like a lot of old. You know, popular horror movies. So you'll pay money to go sit in an old theater and watch it out of the comfort of your home. Yeah. There's a difference, right? You have a pretty big screen sitting right here in this little apartment. It's pretty good. That's big. Sorry. For for this, I'm. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty big for this little (laughs) little studio here. Uh, I think I could go bigger. Oh my God, stop. (laughs) All right, guys, we're going to wrap this one up. Um, This is Minky. This is Tracy. And we'll see. Bye. Bye.